It's time for the big conversations, telling stories of movers and shakers, of industry giants and daring professionals. It's time for the conversations that change your perspective on life, the kind of conversations that shape entrepreneurs and move careers forward. If you don't know where these conversations are found, we are sending you a GPS. But if you're listening to this voice right now, you are here. Welcome to the Growth Podcast. This is the GPS. All right, welcome to this week's edition of the Growth Podcast. Uh, we're happy to have you. Haven't been around for the last two weeks. Uh, there's been a bit of drama here and there, but we're back now, uh, and that's what matters. And uh, I feel like we're back with a bank because we've got a very uh, exciting guest. Uh, I really look forward to this conversation. One of those we've been pushing um, and finally happened. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get into that conversation. But remember that uh, the podcast is brought to you by uh, Best Life Insurance. Live your best life um, for all your cover in terms of, um, you know, you can actually cover your your domestic workers right and you just pay the, for them like I think 350 for the whole year and if they get sick or if they have an accident or they have a funeral um, they will be covered so your domestic workers your maids your garden boys and all those people um, best life um, is there for you and also we're having the public speaking masterclass on the second of uh, December in the morning. I look forward to that one because public speaking for me is a soft skill that can change your game, um, your career, your business, whatever it is. So um, we'll give you more details around that later on. But let's get into our conversation. Um, and my guest is a very familiar face. She could do what I'm doing with ease. Um, uh, welcome, Nawalia, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, we've been doing, trying to do this for some time now, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I'm not ready. Let me first do this. I was like, no, just come as you are. Just come as <laughs> you are we accept you yeah we, we accept you and and here you are yeah. how have you been i've been well um 2023 has been a very busy year for me there's been a lot going on um the good stuff but also some challenging things um but seeing that we're heading towards the end of the year i must say when I reflect on everything, it's been good. It's been good. It's been good. Tell me about it. That's the spirit. Because uh, yeah. it has it has not all been good, but it's been good. But it's been good. We focus on the good. We focus on the positive. Yeah. And yeah. for me, I feel like that's what lacks in most of us. The the, the gratitude is not there. Yeah. You know, you want to... It's like you, you get 90% in an exam, but mm -hmm. you focus on, I should have done more, I should have more. The 10%. The 10%, no. Yeah. Like the others who would kill for that 90% that exactly. you have, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. Um, I've got these questions that you're trying to run away from. <laughs> so this is a tradition for people that come on the podcast. Um, okay. These are icebreaker questions um, that really open us up to the kind of person that you are in terms of what your thoughts are on this and just general questions, really. So I've got a number of cards. I want you to pick four. Don't look at them. Just pick. Just pick four. Just pick four. In any order. It doesn't matter. Any order. Any okay. color. Just pick any four. Um, so I have three. You have three. Um, now, which one? Okay, let's go for that. All right, I'll keep these other four. I'm even. So I can turn them now. Yeah, please. Sure. I have to ask myself. Yeah, the ask questions. yourself and answer it. Oh wow, interesting. If you could only hold onto five physical items. What would you keep and why? So I have to mention five physical yes. items. Mm. It will have to be my Bible. Okay. It will be a notebook. I like to write my thoughts. Um, a pen, obviously. So that's number three. three yeah. Um, what else? 
last two, a fruit. A fruit, mm-hmm. okay. I need something to keep me going. <laughs> my sugars and just the energy. Um, can I put my kids there? <laughs> Physical item. <laughs> you classify them as a physical item. <laughs> um, okay, so what did I say? You Bi- said Bible, notebook, not pen, book, fruit. Notebook, fruit. Um, what's a f- microphone. Microphone? Yeah. Because that's like your life, right? That's me. Um, that's if, if I look at physical items, I think something that has to do with my work has to be included in it. So, yes, and most of my life really for... Most of what I, I can remember, my career starting out, there's been a there's been the microphone there. Okay. Yes. Okay, interesting. So I was waiting for one. phone somewhere, but it never came up. Um, sometimes a phone is a distraction, to be honest. Um, it's good and it works very well, but I feel like we tend to have it one too many times. Okay. And sometimes, have you seen people with phone addiction, like literally even failing to focus on a real conversation at some point, somehow somebody must come in the picture. Must come in the picture. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know I know one or two. Okay. So I think that was a ten out of ten, right? Yeah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> let's keep moving. What do you do better than anyone else, you know? Hmm. That's a tricky one. It's very difficult. Um I think I do very well as a mother. Okay. Yeah. I think I do very well as, as people's mom. Mm. Mm-hmm. Next. I've never wanted to be the one to think I'm better than everybody else. I just show up and do my best and that's enough. Um, but I think for me, the real me is really the person that people don't get to see out there. Um, it's not so much the glam for me. It's It's my private life that has a lot of essence and value for me. So I think what I do better than anyone else, because that doing that, I challenge myself and I push myself really hard and I pray that I do the best. So it will have to be me being a parent. Okay. Right. Describe an aha moment where you finally recognize how a past moment shaped you. Hmm. Aha moment past experience. Maybe we could go to my career. I think the aha moment would be the moment that your childhood dream has come to life. Um, When you have been working in the background, when you have been pushing, doing things um, for that one dream, which is maybe casting the main news on ZNBC and it finally happens. So yeah, that was an aha moment. I don't even know if I captured it. But all I know is that when I finally got there, it made a lot of sense. Um, it made the childhood memories of watching myself in the mirror while casting the news at maybe age 10, 11. It made it come alive. So that was an, an aha moment for me. Okay. The final one. What's something you're sure you'd never do but secretly wish you had the guts? <laughs> Oh, wow. Is there a room for skipping? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what's something you're sure you'd never do but secretly wish you had the guts? Hmm. (laughs) I can't think, eh? Um, 
maybe be like the comedians and just pass certain jokes. You, know. you feel like you, you censor you know, yourself. Do you know how? Yes, I feel like I censor myself uh, sometimes. Uh, there's that one thing you wish your imagination or your crazy mind. We all have that. We have the crazy side of us that if I sat and I looked at you and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could um, turn those, some of those funny imaginations in my head into reality, I think that would be it. But I can't really figure out what it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, good answers, uh, smart answers, clever answers. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how hard it gets. Yeah, no, let's get, uh, let, 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 let's get on with it. So people do know you for, you know, the time that you were at ZNBC, still do the news yeah. um, at 7 p.m. Um, well, you, do, you, do you ever do the 10 p.m.? No. Uh, 10 p.m., no. Oh, just 7 p.m.? 7 p.m. So the shift is uh, most of the times you do the 7, then you're going to do 10. 10 is 22, right? Yeah. Yeah, then you're going to do 10. Oh, so you do both? Sometimes, Sometimes. depending on how the, the schedule is. The roster looks. is cut out. Yeah. Okay, so most people know you for that, um, and they feel like that is who you are. But but who are you really? I'm, I'm a mother. Um, I think that comes really big in my books. I am um, a person who's very passionate about um, life, um, the simple things of life, to be honest. Um, I am a career woman. I'm a wife. Uh, somebody took me some years ago. <laughs> and um, I'm a family-oriented person, but also I find myself balancing it off with my talents, which have built my career. So media personality, corporate communications as well is my field. Very passionate about public speaking. Um, Nawalia is a person who is big on going for what you love and loving what you do. Um, so I'm probably one of those people who will encourage you to go for your talents if that's the direction that you want to go because I think that's just what my life has really been. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much who I am. A sister, I have uh, my mom's still around, um, somebody's daughter and a Christian as well. Yes. How did, you, how did your journey in the media start out? So growing up, um, I think at some point it just became apparent that this is the direction I was going to take. I watched my parents in those days, that was in the 80s, um, the late 80s, I watched my parents pay so much attention to the news. Um, my dad had um, the opportunity to travel around the world and he at some point came with a color TV at a time when most people didn't really have a color TVs. And we were that house where people would come and sometimes watch the news with dad and with the family. And I remember how news time was time to keep quiet and just listen. And for me what, was amused me, what was amusing to me were the ladies that were reading or even the gentlemen, how immaculate and smart they were. And when they would finish that, I would mimic that by going into the bathroom in front of the mirror and try and rehearse that. 
So I feel like I was born to do that. Um, because later on, it became apparent in primary school when it was time for storytelling. I remember the first public speaking that I ever did was storytelling in, in class. And my my primary school teacher, Meha, so rest in peace, Mrs. Kabiti, would ask for volunteers to tell a story in class or to sing a song or to do something. And I was one of those that would always volunteer. So it, it was definitely natural that I would eventually become confident. But later on, I think in high school, I sort of now knew this was the direction I was going to take. But I knew very clearly when my life started to take certain turns, you know, where you have certain life experiences that are leading you to the one place that you will end up. I'll give you an example. In grade 10th or 11th grade, we had a visit, um, a lady by the name of Jenny Horrocks, um, a senior producer at the BBC World Service came to our school. Um, she was producing a children's week program. And I was one of the students that she met. Um, and after we spoke, she said, look, I'd like for you to come tomorrow. The Minister of Education is coming to your school and we're doing this production and I'd like you to be a part of it. That was the beginning of a bond which would later uh, mean that she became my mentor, a woman that I would look up to. Now remember that was 10th or 11th grade and such things just don't happen. The day she sent me a CD um, with the broadcast that she had done at Kabalonga Girls, I wrote a letter to her and I told her, I said, I feel that that experience um, really gave me the confidence and the motivation to become a journalist. There was something that that did that would, you know, now tell me, yes, I think God, heaven is really, really with me. And this is the direction. And that was also followed by other dots of experiences, um, such as meeting Miss Anchimbovo Chiluba, um, getting into ZNBC and doing children's program. And when we did those programs, the feedback was very positive. You would have the likes of um, the directors there, the studio directors. I don't know if you found them. Some of them uh, were there until much later, the Joseph Shitembos. And some of the senior people in ZNBC would come to you and tell you, you have a future in broadcasting. Um, your presentation is good. And for me, what I did with those sentiments is that I wrote them down. Um, I remember meeting the late Jeff Sitali, and he was just telling me about how the media is and how you should remain humble and things like that. Um, he gave me the three Ps. I think it was persistence, passion, and I, I can't really remember. It was a long time. But those are things I would write down in a book um, to remind myself that this is what life should be, that I'm meant to be this. I took the positives and I just ran with them. Um, so I think that's the background uh, that would later reveal to me that there was a direction in the media landscape for me. Um, but it did not happen one day. Um, that's why I always tell people that in life, you've got to embrace process. Um, we did, I, I know you did as well, we did the phase of walking to ZNBC. At that time, I think we were in Kablonga. That's where I grew up. Um, so you drop off at Long Acres, walk to Mass Media. Sometimes we didn't really have that much money. And we would split it as friends to go and do radio programs with uh, Miss Kunda Mando, to go and do some TV programs. Um, 
And then eventually after high school, it was obvious we needed, I needed to study journalism, but it didn't happen immediately. Um, I went to Evelyn Horn, did um, a course in public relations. Then later on, I went to um, ZAMCOM, Zambia Institute of, sorry, Zambia, Zambia Institute, ZAMCOM. ZAMCOM. No, wait. Zambia Zambia Institute of Mass Communication. Zamcom. Zambia. Okay. No, yeah. Zambia no, Institute. The Institute is not. No. Where's I? Zambia Institute of Mass Communication. I think so. But where's I? The Institute. Um, There's buried it somewhere else. No, no, no. But I think it's the Zambia Institute of Mass Communication. It should Zamcom. be. It should be. Yeah, Do you want to Google it? I'm just wondering where the, the, the Institute is in Zamcom. <laughs> Zambia Institute of Mass Communication. I can't forget that because that's the school that gave me my first yeah, but I'm wondering journalism where were they qualification. Called? Yeah, it's actually Zambia. You're actually right. I'm right, eh? Yes, but, yeah. but it's Zamcom. But where's Institute? Because Institute well, is I. Well, I guess I decided to ignore the I. Zambia Institute of Mass. Yes. Interesting. So from there, I did my three years, um, got my diploma. Um, at that time, I was working for QFM. But before working for QFM, um, I went to the southern province. I went to work there um, as a young journalist after my first Evelyn Horn qualification. It was at a time when we were relatively young and you know, going living in Lusaka was not really pretty for girls and things like that. But I, I had so much of a passion that I wanted to garner as much experience as I could. So I remember the let Mr. Hambolo, uh, Sky FM, telling me, are you really going to manage? I said, yes, I can. I'm a very driven person. I'm disciplined. And I'm very passionate about this. And I just want an opportunity to be able to, to learn, but also to be able to offer my, my current expertise because I had done some radio and a bit of TV. Um, and he gave me an opportunity. Obviously, as a parent, he spoke quite sternly about how if I go to the southern province, I must really take care of myself and just, you know, ensure that my parents uh, are okay with it. And, you know, just he spoke as a parent. So even when I moved to Sky FM, I had it at the back of my head that you've got to take care of yourself. And, you know, he gave uh, an opportunity to the editor at that time, who was like an older sister, to live with me and, you know, just make sure that they took care of me, um, watch out for me, rather. So when I went to the southern province, I, I we had Vincent Kapembo there. We had uh, Chanda Mfula. Some of those names may be familiar to people who lived in the southern province or who know a lot of people in the media circles. And it was from them that I was able to learn a lot of things. Um, SkyFM became the playing ground for learning. You would one moment be a presenter, you would be doing um, serious interviews and programs such as Let the People Talk, um, some MISA-sponsored programs. It was an opportunity to also go out and be with the communities. It was from there that you learned how to um, conduct yourself when you're talking to elderly people like the chiefs. Um, I remember sometimes I would go into workshops and the chief is officiating. There's a way you talk to them. There's a way you greet them. I had a little bit of Tonga that I knew because I grew up with my neighbors uh, on both sides. Um, where Tonga. So it's when you're young, it's very easy for you to pick languages. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very easy for me um, to just fit in and um, 
work there. Two years later, I came back and worked for QFM. Um, QFM was just another amazing place to work. Um, it was a youth radio station, but the honors of the station, the Nyamas, gave you an opportunity to be creative. And so I think the station was, for me, I feel the brainchild of breakfast radio because then we would do the live interviews, we would allow people to express themselves, more of what we see now. We did that on QFM. It was also an opportunity for me to, so I was an all-rounder. I would go on air, present. Um, I would go on the background and do some reporting process. So the process kept improving me, making me better given me the name, now it became Nawalia Walia. At least that was the name somebody knew. Either they heard me on the news or they heard me on the breakfast show. It slowly started building up and ended me, uh, and that ended into me getting into ZNBC. Um, that's a very long story. I feel like it's a big part <laughs> of my story, really. It had to be told. But we had to give it the foundation just so people get to understand where we're coming from. Okay, yeah. so you've had these transitions from um, Sky FM, then you come to QFM, then ZNBC, then you left ZNBC, um, you went to Parliament, and then you uh, went to where you are now at Zisk Life. Right. These transitions, at every given point, you were a new person in a new environment. Why don't you talk to me about how do you adjust in a new environment? When you first walk into ZNBC, obviously, that was like the, the, the premier league of media, you know, all these yeah. big names, you're now, you know, meeting them and crisscrossing them and sharing studios with them and sharing offices with them. How do you then, as a person that's trying to thrive in that field, how do you begin to adjust and drink from their cup and grow? I think one of the best ways to adjust is to learn that as much as you have something to offer in a new place, there's a lot that you've got to learn. Um, also to accept that different work spaces and work environments come with different cultures. Um, but I think for me, my transitioning from one place to the other, I have always had it at the back of my head that I need to grow with whatever this environment is offering me. I need to, if it's a five-year contract that I'm here, I must leave a better person. I must leave a better corporate uh, or public relations practitioner. I must leave ZNBC with a level of growth that I'll be proud to look at. So go with the learning spirit. Um, sometimes I think it's very difficult for people to adjust in new environments because you feel your way or where you're coming from is what you should bring there. Be very good at learning and observing. And it's from there that you will be able to figure out just how best you can fit into the table um, in the new environment. Sometimes, um, like I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, where I work right now, um, they are very big on unity. Zisk Life is a place where if even somebody who left some years back passed on or they had a problem, um, even the current people will still show up for that person. They have this sense of family. Um, but you don't find that in some workplaces. You worked there, you move on and things like that. Yeah. Um, Zisk Life is also um, a place that gives you an opportunity to show what you bring to the table. So you're not going to have somebody reminding you of what you need to do. 
Um, some environments, sometimes there's some workplaces where it's very, it's quite dictated that A, B, C, and D is what you do. For instance, in broadcasting, you come in and you know these are my programs. Um, and it's almost you do, to an extent, unless you have an outside broadcast or something, you're literally doing things that are similar. Of course, they, there's creativity and ideation there. Um, in that you will sit and discuss the next program and plan it so that it's different from the previous one. But in other environments, there are different ways in which things are done. It's not automatic that Monday is this, Tuesday is this. I don't know if, you, if, yeah, if that makes a lot of sense. So in adjusting to new environments, you've just really got to be a learner and be open to new things. Most people get frustrated because they want to carry what they had. Nothing wrong with what you had because you also bring something to the table. And that's the reason why they've employed you. But by all means, let it not be, oh, we used to do it better. Because you may not get the lesson they're in. Um, so I feel that new environments must come with open-mindedness. And also that in the new environment... Just remember, you also bring something to the table. Um, I always say that for people who've stepped into ZNBC, it's very easy for them to go out there and thrive because there's something that ZNBC teaches you. Um, we do a lot of hard work and we put in so many hours. And um, there's just a certain excellence that it demands of you because you are broadcasting to the nation and you take that with you. So carry what you have. But by all means, let it be a balance of what you bring to the table and what you find there. So I think that's one of the best ways to adjust. You, you, you reminded me of uh, Chibamba Kanyama. I think he was telling a story of how the time that he went to the IMF, mm -hmm. you know, I think where you're in meetings and you feel like <laughs> you've got nothing to say. Like, what am I going to say? This guy is like, I mean, these are like the cream de la cream of, yeah. you know, the organization. They know what am I going to say that's going to be different? Mm -hmm. And then so one time, one of the executives called him to the office and said, oh, it's quiet. Why is it? And, and he said, why? And I told him, look, but, but the one thing that is your strength is that you were a director general at ZNBC. None of us have been at ZNBC before. As DJ. As director general. Right. So tell us what you're doing there and how we can do it here. Mm -hmm. Need a point, right? Give, so, give us the Zambia situation. Exactly, which no one has yes, in this meeting. Yes, yeah. And so he said, from then on, every time I go to a meeting, I would say, no, at ZNBC, we used to do it like this. Mm -hmm. And... and not that no one can argue you, but it just brings a fresh perspective. Agreed. Because I believe that organizations employ people because there's something missing. There's a, mm -hmm. something missing, really. If everything was okay, we'll not need Nawali. We'll not need you yeah. to come on so board. So when you come here, don't yes. want to do what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you may just as well not be yeah. here. Just you know? pick what you find and see how you can blend it with who you are as a person. Because you don't want to go into a new place and become a whole different person. Because then, why did we employ you in the first place? Yeah. And, and um, I know that new environments challenge you in that sometimes you begin to question wh whether you're good enough. Especially if it's an elevation, um, because there's pressure within you to outdo yourself and to do more. Um, but any new environment is also an opportunity for you to learn. Because remember where you were coming from, you were doing broadcasting and you are now in the field of public relations. 
they've got a similarity. Obviously, you would do very great at things like media relations. That's not a problem. When they ask you to do a press conference, to do a press release and things like that, that's very easy for you. But there are other aspects that are going to come into your new uh, found job in PR. Maybe it's going to be crisis management. Um, maybe it's going to be stakeholder management. You're dealing with people who have different needs uh, from your company. You have to learn. You have to relearn and apply yourself. That can be done, but you've got to get to a place where you you got to get to a place where you uh, put yourself or position yourself in a place where you agree within yourself that I'm here to start all over again, and it's okay. If I give myself a month or two, I will get... Um, I will be good at this. And if I'm not good at it, I'm still giving myself enough time to ask questions um, and to learn. Um, learning is a lifelong skill. It's a lifelong process that we have to embrace all the time. Uh, nobody goes into a place or nobody has everything at, you know, at any given time. Yeah. There's always something that you also need. That's the reason why your CEO needs you because he also needs something from you. But you've got to be very open to asking questions, um, to also just knowing that it's okay not to know everything. I think it becomes a problem when you've been on the job for so long and you're still learning. No, no, no. You've got to give yourself a time frame. If you're new to the job, that's why there's why the core orientation. They'll take you around. Sometimes you have to sit with certain departments. Um, if you don't understand matters of investments, but you're a PR practitioner and that's big on uh, your company profile, sit with the investment team and begin to understand what various jargon mean and just understand their day-to-day -day jobs. Understand how they study their economy and how they make their decisions as a company to invest. So make time to learn. Um, and, and I think I'm so grateful. When I got into Zisk Life, that's one of the things I think that were top on the agenda. Our CEO at that time, Madam Christabel, was um, one who would push you, but also be very patient to help you understand insurance and to learn. And that's the culture that I've found in my new workplace as well. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, corporate affairs and, and, and public relations, you, for the most part, report directly to the CEO. Yep. And, and that is something that most people struggle with. Because it's easy to report to oh a risk manager or I report to the financial accountant right. I report to, but reporting directly to your CEO requires a certain level of excellence, mm -hmm. because the mistakes that you make you're dealing with the CEO. Right. The mistakes that you make really are grave to some extent because that's the highest office in the organization. Mm -hmm. How do you conduct yourself with the CEO? How do you manage that relationship? And then also, um, how do you how 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 then does that begin to affect your stakeholders in the organization because to others you're seen as a focal point you know mm -hmm. um for communication and whatnot but really i want to talk about from your experience how is it like working like this with the head of the organization reporting directly to a ceo i think you've got to present yourself already uh, to some extent with a level of knowledge in the field that you're in um that way your voice becomes necessary as well. But you've got to also understand your CEO's style. 
understand the needs of the company as well um, at that point from a communication point of view. Um, I think we do have these conversations with my peers in PR where there's some CEOs who have a certain way of doing things and you've got to adjust accordingly um, in making sure that you help still to drive the agenda from the corporate communications um, point of view. Um, always know this, that it's your responsibility. Look, PR is about um, projecting a positive image, but we do it with ethics. You've got to be very truthful in everything that you do. Um, you've got to understand your publics. Um, you've got to ensure that you package information in a way that it will um, be relevant to the different stakeholders. That's what you bring to the table. But also remember, there are other people that bring something else to the table. They're coming from group risk, oh, sorry, they're coming from risk department. Um, they're coming from investments. They're bringing something. But you, I feel like with PR or with corporate communication, you are literally embracing everything and now packaging it in such a way that it makes it easy for information dissemination. It makes it easy for image um, building. So dealing with your CEO, you've got to understand them, understand their personality as well, but also be able to communicate exactly what's good for the company. Um, whether we like it or not, they are at the helm of the company. So I know as PR, I may be asked to appear, but sometimes it carries more weight for my CEO to be the one to appear. And so it's very important that you make that known, that you know it's also very important for the company that we have the CEO as well um, being represented or speaking. So I think as we go on in the PR sector, one thing I have noticed is that now it's becoming clearer and with uh, the institute itself, the Public Relations Institute, um, becoming more and more pronounced, one of the things that they endeavor to do is to ensure that they embrace CEOs as well for them to understand the importance that corporate communications or PR itself plays in an organization. I think um, we you spoke, you referred to Chibamba, and I think I'll refer to him as well. Um, in one of our trainings and in our meetings, he spoke about how when he was in Zisk, for instance, one of uh, the, the, the position that he carried was so important that it went all the way up to director level. And we do not see so much of this in these companies. But over the years, it has started changing because people now realize that corporate communications and just the communication function in a company is very important. Um, imagine decisions are being made um, at the higher level management and you're only getting bits of it as a public relations manager. That becomes very difficult in terms of how you're going to spread it out or how you're going to package that information because you really do not have the background. You really are not in tune with the emotions that are relating to a certain decision that the company has made. So it's very important that you also just make it known to management, make your position relevant so that you can be able to sit at the table, um, whether in decision making, because then you're thinking, how does this translate when it comes to our audiences? Yeah. Um, and how do we ensure that collectively with the vision that the company has, the vision that the CEO has or senior management has, we can be able to package this information in a way that 
is relevant for our audiences. All right. You, you mentioned um, um, persistence away from PR. You mentioned persistence um, in a career. Um, are you able to maybe share with us a time when you really had to be persistent for something that you wanted and you finally got it? For me, I think when I was in ZNBC, one of the things that I really wanted was to do big productions um, and just be behind that as well. And so that meant that I needed to just be available to apply myself um, and learn as much as possible. ZNBC is a place where you're very fortunate that when you get in, you're going to watch people that you're going to watch people that inspired you from a distance. And now you're in close range with them. So you have an opportunity to learn from them. You have an opportunity sometimes to be impressed on a production, even if you're just flow managing, even if you're helping the technical team. At that time before the migration, we were doing a lot of cable uh, placements when we go out in the field, isn't it? With the engineering team, you find yourself learning from the background, but still being somewhere on the table observing what people are doing. I think for me that was when I was persistent the most. Um, we had an opportunity to start TV2, and later on um, there was an opportunity to start TV3 as well. The, and, and being the pioneers, the station is started and it's opening, and you're one of those main producers or presenters. And then another station is opening and you're identified to help out in that particular aspect. That was beautiful. Um, that for me gave me an opportunity to learn, not just in front, but in the background. And the bigger opportunity came when I was um, seconded to parliament uh, for me to be part of a team that would start parliament TV. So I think that kind of persistence, when, when, when I had finished my secondment mandate, I felt like it was okay to even move because then I'll have something to point at to say this was at the height of my broadcast career. We were part of the team that started what we now call Parliament TV. We did it collaboratively with the National Assembly of Zambia. They had a team. We had our team from ZNBC merged the two teams. And today you're able to watch Parliament TV nationwide because there was this foundation that we laid. So wherever God takes you, um, be there, apply yourself. We all don't start by being on top. We have to start somewhere. Now, unfortunately, sometimes <clears throat> people would want to eye the top positions without realizing that in order for you to do an excellent job or to be effective on top, you have to understand even just how it is to work down there. You have to know the driver, uh, what they go through as a senior producer. You have to understand what the camera needs, the camera person's desires. You have to respect processes and procedures. You have to respect different departments in order for you to come up with that one production. Because if you do not, and you do not know how to manage people, how to deal with people, and you do not respect the various lines of duties, you will find yourself doing a very bad job. You will find yourself not having good relations in the workspace, and that's not good, especially in the broadcasting field. So 
I always believe that find yourself somewhere, apply yourself. If people require your help, there's nothing wrong with me carrying cables if I'm going to help my team in technical to do the broadcast or to go live and broadcast at the right time. There's nothing wrong with me not being the one on the screen, but being the one on the other side and make sure that my colleague does a good job when they are on the screen. Because in all those different places where I'm being planted, I'm contributing to something big. And that's where the learning comes from. That's where the growth comes from. And that's where responsibility is given. Um, when my boss um, in ZNBC told me that we're sending you to Parliament TV, I remember her just you know, telling me how I needed to apply myself. You never know. It might turn out into something big. I've, I was truly humbled. I think for me, it, it, it was an emotional moment because I felt like I was just this person who was just doing my best, really, um, trying my best in the workplace and pushing myself. Somebody is always watching, Sui. And I think that's what I always tell the young people, that you just never know who's watching. And sometimes the people watching may not even be your own colleagues or your own supervisors. Sometimes opportunities and doors will open outside your workspace because somebody was watching you in your position doing your work. It has happened a lot as well in emceeing. Um, I've had the privilege of standing before great men and great women as a director of ceremony. And I can't remember the last time that I got an emceeing job based on um, maybe asking someone if I can do it, it will always be a call that will say somebody recommended you or somebody saw you doing your work somewhere. So whatever God gives you to do, I believe you must just give it your best because you just never know what that one opportunity might turn out to be. Okay. Um, the the emceeing thing that you mentioned, um, obviously, is like a side hustle because you've got a full-time job. Um, but for most people, they find themselves in work environments where it is um, frowned upon, that the only thing you do is your work and the only thing is the work. But you have seemed to thrive. How did you make that work? Where your employer is able to be comfortable with you doing, you know? I think I was very fortunate that... Um I found myself in, in workspaces where talent is appreciated, talent is embraced. I mean, when we were in, in, in working in ZNBC full time, they would request for us, letters would come and they say we would like the services of A, B, C and D to MC. And I think in that space, it's understood that when you are a presenter, it's very possible that you would do very well as a public speaker. Um, it was a bit um, scary at some point when I got into Zisk Life because I was thinking, how would they take it? But I was amazed that one of the things that they encouraged me to do was to, it was good for the brand, that's one, that you present yourself positively out there. For us who are in PR, you and I, when we are out there emceeing, it's also an opportunity. There's a possibility that you can even sign a business deal, that you can get a business card after the event from someone, which will translate into a meeting that will further both businesses. So when we stand there to emcee, yes, we are running with the program, but there are a lot of opportunities that come from there. And I think 
companies or firms that embrace talent will always have best performing workers. Why am I saying this? We all have things that we're passionate about. I was just at an event not too long ago that was organized by uh, Great City, a high tea, and I sat on a table of very influential women. And one of the things that we talked about was the very same thing we're talking about right now, Zoe, where um, it was highlighted that if you have something that you do, that you enjoy and that you love, and you still go for it. The possibility is that this, those energies and those passions will translate into you um, being very good at what you do in your job because you're doing what you enjoy. It's not a punishment. So I'm very fortunate that I think because I do not abuse it and because there's certain good things that come out of me being a public speaker that translate into also um, my job not suffering. Um, I have the permission to do it. Okay. Yeah. You you mentioned motherhood. How do you, and and, and you say it, you, you feel like you, you you make a very good mum, a very good parent. Um, how do you still make it work, and still pull your weight at work, pull your weight in the other things that you do, but still not become um, a a lesser mother because you can because for others. They can justify not being a good mother because oh I'm busy at I'm work busy. I'm doing this yeah. I'm doing this I'm doing the this bills to and pay. for them yes and for them it shows no but look at the schools my kids go to they're doing very well so I'm a good parent meanwhile they're not fully present. First of all, I think it's only right that I say that I I do have um, a very my my children have a very good father. That's just a fact. Um, and I think it helps also into translating into me being able to manage certain things as a mother, they have a present dad. Um, but also in life, you've got to show up somehow. Show up as a mother, show up as a career person. If it's important to you, you will find, you will find time, you will show up. Show up as a wife, show up. I, I feel it would be very easy for me to say, do it this way. But I think we've all got different ways of doing it and becoming good parents. Um, I try to understand my children at whatever level. I have a child who's now about to complete school. Um, the needs of that child and the needs of the one who's the youngest are totally different. But I have to show up for both of them based on what they are going through or based on the phase and the stage in their lives that they are actually in at that time. Um, sometimes it's even more challenging when they're growing. That's when they need you the most. Because when they're babies, really, it's just milk, diapers, and everything. But it's about showing up and being available. And also, in life, prioritize the things that matter the most to you. Um, there's some things that I turn down, maybe because they're conflicting with spending quality time with my children. For instance, I'm not going to miss graduation. Not too long ago... There was an event and my daughter had her grade 12 graduation and I had to turn it down. I said, I'm so sorry. I wish I could take it, but this day is taken. There are those key life moments that you just can't miss. And the good thing is that even in workplaces, these are things that I understood. Um, you could explain to your supervisors or your superiors that this is very important. The work-life balance, they will give that to you. The most important thing is just make sure that you're well-balanced. Uh, your job is not suffering simply because of this other aspect of your life. So with my being a mother, the support of my husband, 
but also at the same time, it's just a conscious choice to be present and to show up. If it matters to you and it's important, you will be there. You will make time. All right. I was, I was talking to someone. Um, you, you mentioned being all around and being balanced. Um, what's the difference um, in performance mm-hmm. between a woman, like a single woman, no responsibilities in terms of children, and one who has a child or has children and has a family and you're running a home as well and you've got this other woman that is just, you know, single. In terms of relationships um, in the workplace, in terms of, okay, to a certain extent performance, but just generally how you relate with people. Because I'm, I'm, I'm asking this because I was with someone who, and they're saying some people are passed over for promotion, especially men, because mm-hmm. they're single. They feel like for this role we need someone who is, um, a family person with children, they've got what and what. Um, and, and for them, the argument is okay, let me not give the argument because then I'm sort of like driving your response. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. I want to hear from you. How do you feel it, it reflects differently? People in the workplace have got family responsibilities and those that don't. Look, so we nobody chooses. Um, sometimes you, you, you're not, you're married, but then sometimes I think I'll stick to the single side. There are people sometimes who find themselves single, and it's not that it's their, you know, well, it could be their choice, but I don't think that that should affect their progress or how we perceive them. Um, I know what you're trying to say because I've heard stories around certain responsibilities may not be given because you're not married or you're not responsible for this but I, I i actually think look when we lay the cards on the table it should end up being are you capable no capable yes so look no let me not no, no let me give you the argument was yeah the argument was um for most people in terms of their either emotional intelligence or their relationships with mm. people in the workplace so for example if you have a superior who um is single they've got no child and whatnot if you go to them and say, I, I can't come in for it today, my child's not feeling well, or there's right. this or this, okay. they most likely will feel like, ah, now well, there's too much. Every time the baby, every time the oh, baby. Oh, I get but it. But you I find someone who's been a parent before, they understand, they know that. Mm-hmm. You get the point, right? Mm-hmm. How they relate with you, oh, they understand mm-hmm. because they have a child. But especially like newborns or kids, maybe two, three, they get sick a lot, or tonsils, yeah. what? They're under five. Yeah, exactly. So you find in a month, maybe you get five days because the kid's not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And someone who can't relate will feel like it's just an excuse. Yeah, this one is. And they begin to feel like you're not very. <laughs> but someone who, like, you've been a parent, you, you know. I like, know. I don't I have to really convince you that yeah. my child is. Yeah. And so you find others begin to treat you differently because. Ah, like okay, that. okay. I, I do get it. Sometimes it's, it may not even just be. Well, it could be the babies, but then sometimes also we do find that maybe if you're having the the children back to back, like there was a point in my life when I had, you know, I think I had three under fives at some point uh, in my life. And I, I think I remember feeling very helpless at some point where I actually said maybe I should quit my job because at that time... Um, the job that I was doing had some night duties and out of a place of guilt, I remember having a conversation with a colleague and saying, you know what, it's it's becoming draining for me. Maybe I should just uh, focus on raising the kids and come back to this career thing. Um, and I remember that lady um, telling me, no, 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 you can't do that. 
stick to it. This this is just a phase and it will pass. So I, I understand what you mean. But I think it's very important for us to realize that when we rise to the helm of organizations or when we begin to supervise people, we are going to deal with diverse people. We're going to deal with people who are single parents. Um, we are going to deal with people who have uh, children um, in different stages of their lives. We are going to deal with widows. We are going to deal with different stories. If you could write a book, um, you will find that you've dealt with a whole, you know, different type of people and different touching stories. Um, when you lead in a company, it's beyond giving instructions. Um, leadership is relational as well. You've got to know your people. I think I mentioned um, earlier on that I found that where I work now, there's the sense of family um, that is there. Not that it affects work or anything, but I think whatever happened some years back, it's what everybody finds happening. So there's sort of like caring for the other person. I think I've seen it in ZNBC as well. We still do it. I'm on certain groups where if anyone has a bereavement, we get back and we we take care of each other. We, you know, And maybe that's how come it's just so easy to still be a ZNBC person even after you have left because of that sense of family and that sense of belonging. At the end of the day, when we're leaders, we're, we're leading human beings. And no one condition, one situation is the same. So the question now for me becomes, how do you then effectively lead when you're dealing with different people with different situations? How do you help still to bring out the best out of a mother of four or five in the things that they're skilled at and are talented at, or in their line of work and ensure that they still deliver despite these other challenges? How do you help them to navigate and still be professional? How do you help them to walk into the boardroom and still hold their head high despite the fact that they're going through A, B, C, D? How do you help them to manage that? That is what leadership for me really is. Um, I supervise some you know, colleagues. And I do hear sometimes some stories of, you know, this person is in their 20s and maybe they're going through some things. But they open up to you because that's where the solution is at the end of the day. You've got to help them to navigate and be professional, even in the midst of managing different situations. So you've got a subordinate that can tell you their personal problems? Um... If it's affecting work, sometimes they would. Not that we dwell so deeply into those um, types of conversation. The, the reason I'm asking is because mm -hmm. uh, mostly people, um, in Zambia, there's this thing about bad bosses, like your boss is like your worst enemy or something. And for most people, they really have that. And I was going to ask you, how do you create an environment where your subordinate feels like they can confide in you? You need to care for people. And, and I don't mean you need to parent people and mother them or father them. But you need to know that before they become a manager before they become a colleague, they're human beings. And you cannot separate their, them, who they are as family people, who they are as uh, emotional people, you cannot separate that from the position. I would rather find out, Sui, how are you? If I notice that you're struggling in a certain area and I know this is not your best, Sui, I would rather call you into my office and say, is everything okay? 
Is there anything I can help so that you present yourself better? Do you need two days off? It's within your line of work. You've got some leave days. Do you think you should take two or three days? Um, find yourself an opportunity to get yourself back in a place where um, you can now present yourself in a workplace and be able to deliver. Sometimes people in workplaces don't deliver, not because they're not capable, but we, because we may not care so much that there's something that is hindering them, that there's something that is affecting them so badly that they cannot present themselves as the best. Sometimes it's even people who do so well in an interview and when the job is given to them, they're struggling. And you can't relate to the two people and you ask yourself what's going on. You find that maybe they have imposter syndrome. Maybe this elevation is too big for them. Maybe they're finding it hard to fit in because they're, they're getting homesick. They came from a place where they were, that was their home. Maybe they're being judged in the environment, especially sometimes for people who are public figures. It's not always easy. Um, so you've got to have a heart to realize that for every lack of performance, if you start to tick certain things and you realize, okay, it has nothing to do with the family, it has nothing to do with illness, then maybe this person just is not good at their job. They're failing and they're struggling. But by all means, as you supervise people, as you lead people, you've got to understand that you need the best from them and the best from them can only come if you're concerned about other aspects as well. Have you ever had to deal with imposter syndrome? Um, uh, for those that don't know imposter syndrome, you become manager or you become, or you get this opportunity or you are in this room and for some reason you feel like I don't deserve to be here, someone else deserves to be here, maybe it's by accident, I'm not good enough, um, Danny should have gotten the opportunity, Danny should have gotten that person, that person. Have you ever have, have you ever had that feeling and how did you, you know, shake it off? I've had it. Um, I've had it um, from as far as I can remember. Sometimes when you make it to the news desk, because it takes so long to get there sometimes, and sometimes it's, you know, you've got to push yourself to be worthy of getting there, and you get there and you're like, oh my God. You're very tense when you're on the desk because those are your first days, and you're thinking, am I good enough? And then sometimes you come off and you're asking yourself, did I do well? And if you made just one simple mistake, you're so hard on yourself. Um, sometimes you stand before great men and great women, presidents from different states. Sometimes you travel out of the country. Um, I remember there was a time I was flown into South Africa because the AU, um, one branch of the AU, the NEPAD, had an event, a two-day event, and I was doing both days emceeing. And you get into this environment, you're flown in, you're treated like VIP. And you don't sleep throughout the night because you're just so nervous. How are you going to do it? Why did I even make it? <laughs> Why did I come this far? So those do come. Uh, but you, you've got to be, for me, it's God, really. It takes me, it's moments like those that take me to a place of prayer. Because then I realize, God, if you've brought me this far, surely you would take me through. Um, I realize that it's very possible that, yes, we may have never dreamed this big, but the God who made us come this far 
You know, like the word of God says, exceedingly abundantly above that which you can even think or imagine. Surely beyond this, there's so much more that I can do. And if he can allow me to stand here and if he can permit me to work here, to go through an interview and be picked, clearly he's been preparing me and, and let me just present myself. So I'm a very strong believer of show up. Show up when you're nervous. Show up when you feel you're not good enough. Show up and don't shy away from opportunity simply because you feel you're not good enough. Because I believe that not everybody that gets to the top went there believing that they are 100%. Even the people that we look up to in their private conversations, they actually do think that they miss out on one or two things, but that doesn't stop them from showing up they still show up. And there you meet grace. When you show up, you find God there. And you realize when you step down from, from the stage, um, when you step down in your workplace, when you present something and when you step down, you realize that God has been preparing me for this. Or you realize that took a certain level of grace. That wasn't all me. So yes, imposter syndrome does come in, but you've got to be very, very conscious of making sure that you fight it. And even if you feel it, you, you just show up. Okay. Yeah. When you look at your future, what has to happen for you to say, I think I've arrived? Oh, wow. You've got a way with questions. <laughs> <laughs> I... I I just enjoy the simple things of life, to be honest. Um, and for me, if I can inspire young people to be their best, because my life has been people finding me at a young age, speaking into my life, um, giving me opportunity as a young media person um, in high school, having been associated with organizations that were teaching us about matters of abstinence and just moral morals. I was picked up young by certain people. And sometimes you meet them today and they don't realize just how much their teachings and their workshop did to you. But what you see here is a lot of people. It's a lot of people in, in Sky FM, in QFM, it, in ZNBC, in this life, where, you know, I have met so many people and they don't realize how they've impacted me to be who I am today. So for me, arriving will not necessarily be so much about positions. It will be about impact, positive impact onto society. I love young people. I love children. I feel that... Whatever we do in life, we should never neglect the young people because it's that, that day, Sui, when you walk into a school hall and you motivate someone that will speak into their lives 10 years after you will meet them and you won't even realize that this person was about to give up, but they didn't because of that one day that you spoke into their lives. That's the story of my life. And that's the legacy I want to leave, to be honest. I will arrive if I know that you got your best, you did your best, you never gave up, and that's because you probably heard my story of perseverance, or because you met me one day and I spoke to you, 
or because I just simply did something that made you realize it's very possible for you. That okay. is me arriving. We started with uh, the five <laughs> physical things. I would like us to end with, no, 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 don't forget about the cards. I want to end with um, what five things would you say to young people who are trying to find themselves, young women who are trying to find themselves, who are trying to navigate in their career? And that's my last question. What, what five things would you say to them? so funny how this interview has suddenly felt short, eh? Especially when you say this is the last part. The hourglass is done. You see, this, this is my one hourglass and it's gone. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I talk too much, right? <laughs> no, it's, you, you talk for a living, so I'm not surprised. Okay, so the five things that... Five things that you'd like to say to young people, advice that you'd like to give to them as they try to, you know, navigate their careers or really discover themselves. Process. You cannot be in grade one and end up two days or three days later in grade eight. You've got to go through it. Sometimes process is tough, but process teaches you. Um, it, it, it helps to build your character. It, it's not always rosy, but embrace the process because therein lies life lessons that would help you, that will build you for the future. So embrace process. Okay, that's one. Uh, two will have to be, maybe it should have been one, but I'll say it anyway. God first, you cannot do this alone. When you were created, there was purpose attached to your crea being created. Embrace God and it will be very easy for you to find out who exactly you're meant to be. Process God. Um People, people are important. No matter where God takes you, whether he raises you, wherever you are, everybody is important. They may not come dressed or presented the way you expect them to be, but respect people. Young and old, people are important. You cannot exist alone, and no man is an island. Uh, fall will have to be hard work. Don't substitute that. Put in your work. Do your part. Five will have to be learning. Learning is a lifelong process. Keep learning, and while you're learning, teach somebody. That's it. Yeah, yeah, the perfect response. Thank you, Namalia, for your <laughs> for your time. Uh, Thank you for yeah, having it's, it's, me. It's, it's hard to interview someone who, who interviews, but it's it's it's. it's Did it's I been make a, it hard for you though? No, not really. It was it was good. I, I, I like enjoyed the conversation. Fun. Yeah, it was it was a very uh, good and fair conversation. Um, Did you me, just let, say fair? Let me. No, I said good and fair. Like okay. fair, as in my questions were fair. They were not yes. like overboard. Oh no, or but whatever. thank you yeah. for not making it hard for me. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. why my fair I'm grateful. Cool. Thank you for having yeah. me, Sui. Um, I'm totally proud of you. Um, I think when I tell my story, you can quite relate. Yeah, because when I came to ZNBC and I knocked on the door, it's you open for me. Yes. Yeah, so you will uh, always be a part of my story. Put it here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been an insightful conversation. I wish you all the best um, with everything. Thank you. Um, I know that there's a lot of things that you're doing in the background, obviously, as you mentioned. And uh, we look forward to seeing those things come alive. Um, I feel like it's good. I, I know people, people always, there's this thing that people have where because we started together, 
we should always be at the same level. Right. And so yeah. you begin to resent or, I don't know, feel a certain way about certain people who you start to get and then they seem to be you know, going further than you are. Mm-hmm. But for me, really, the fact that other people are making those strides should open my mind to the possibilities. Right. That is, it's, it's, it's possible for me as well. And it's that thing they say, when, when God blesses your friend, or a family member, it means God is in the neighborhood. It's in the neighborhood. Your blessing is coming. Yes. You know? I would rather God bless someone who's n- near me than someone who's far away from me. Not to say he shouldn't bless them, but mm. I would rather he blesses me and those that are around me. Because also, when you thrive, in the future, my children have a connection because, oh, they're very and anti-successful. Right. You get the point, right? Yes. But yes. there are others who you just want lightning to strike the people around you. You want them to fail. <laughs> you want them to have misfortune. But then you don't see how that is connected to your to own To your own. Because in the future, you want your kid to get a job. And you don't know anyone who has got that power influence. Because you were you. against everybody exactly, else. Exactly. Because in your prayers, you are saying, only me, I should. Only I should. Only I should. So for me, really, I feel happy when I see people like you make those kinds of strides. Thank you. Because it means that... Um, it's, I'm not far off, you know. I'm 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 in the environment. You're in the right environment. You're in the vicinity. Exactly. And by all means, let's all win. I'm telling you. Let's just win. Let's just get there. You know, we all need it. We all need to experience the helm. We all need to experience success. We all need to do well. I think that is what should make us happy. If I should see you thrive, if I should see you from one level to the other, I should be proud to see that journey unfold. I should be proud to see it. I should be proud to have five, six people that we started together and they're making it. So let's just win at the end of the day. That's how I feel. Let's, you win, you win, you win, we win. And it gets to be a better world. Yeah. There's there's enough space for all of us. Oh, yes. There's enough space for all of us. Thank you, Nawala, for coming. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you. And thank you also to you guys for staying in the conversation. Uh, We'll see you next week uh, on the podcast. And also, we'll see you at the Masterclass. I definitely know that you're coming. So, thank you, Nawala, and uh, all the best. My pleasure. Thank you. (laughs)